raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Now, you've got a gun guy. Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Talking about a very pro 2A bill that's pending right now. And listen, I understand this may very likely get a hearing uh, this Wednesday in the, I believe it's Insurance and Financial Institutions Committee. And listen, check my social media here this week, including Monday, because we should see an agenda then. But if this gets a hearing, we really need uh, support. We need our 2A project members to show up. Um, We need people there supporting this bill because we've had trouble getting uh, the bill out of, or similar bills out of committee in the past. And listen, we've had bills before. We had a bill a couple of years ago that actually got scheduled for a hearing Went in, I testified for it. We had the banking lobbyists testifying against it. And several people testified in support. That was a bill that just simply said, if financial institutions, banks and credit cards, discriminate against gun owners or people involved in the gun industry, then the state of Indiana won't do business with them. And I love the bill because it wasn't Big Brother telling them how to do business. It wasn't saying, oh, we're, you know, we're going to make this a crime or we're going to have some huge fine. It was just, no, do what you want to do. You discriminate against anybody you want to discriminate against in terms of these issues. But if you do, the state of Indiana won't do business with you. So you got a credit card company, you know, people won't be able to use your credit card to pay for their plates when they renew their registration or pay for their driver's license or whatever else it might be in terms of the financial transactions conducted by the state. And I'm sure the state has any number of different bank accounts, whether it's all the different agencies, you know, DNI or and all, I mean, on and on and on. Okay. Discriminating against anybody you want to. Well, guess what? You have that right to do that. We have the right to do business with whom we choose. And the state of Indiana won't do business with you. I love that. Made all the sense in the world. It's been passed in a couple of other states. We had a hearing. And the chairman at the time said, I believe it was Andy Zay, said, uh, well, we run out of time. We don't have time to vote on this. So uh, well, we'll 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 consider this and we'll vote next next hearing next meeting of the committee. Guess what? They they never called it for a vote. We had a hearing. People testified, and it just died. Well, a, a, a similar bill, at least it has overlap, is Senate Bill twenty eight, and I've mentioned it before. What this does, it's broader than just protecting people involved in the firearms industry. It actually prevents financial institutions from making financial decisions, including credit decisions, based on what they're calling here a social credit score. And if you haven't heard that term, it's something that that liberals are really starting to push. And that is that there are things that, that financial institutions, they think, ought to take into account before doing business with you or giving you a loan or handling your financial transactions. That includes something like if your company has a diversity, equity, and inclusion program, whether your company uses uh, affirmative action as part of its hiring processes. 
They'll look at whether your, your company is involved with the fossil fuels in some way. And if so, then that affects your so-called social credit score. Then obviously, if you're involved in the firearm industry, that's another thing that impacts that as well. And so based on all these things that have nothing to do with how creditworthy you are, how solvent you are, how capable you are of paying back a loan or being a responsible business that they should want to handle the financial transactions for, that they'll still refuse to do business with you based on your social credit score. And this bill, Senate Bill 28, would prevent that. And it includes not just discrimination based on involvement in the firearm industry, but a social credit score based on these other factors as well. And, and how much sense does that make? And it says, look, it says right in the bill, you can make financial decisions based on anything actually associated with risk, that is risk of making a loan, and the financial strength and, and, and status of any particular organization. And the fact that someone is involved in the firearm in- industry, for example, if when you apply the language of this bill, if they also have don't have a history of responsibly repaying their loans, then yeah, a company would say, no, nah, I don't choose to do business with you, and they won't be penalized for that because they're basing it on a, on a, on, on a legitimate financial criterion. But to the extent that a company is as creditworthy as the next, but they don't have a diversity, equity, and inclusion program, they don't use affirmative action, and or they're involved in the firearm industry or the fossil fuels industry, and financial institutions are then going to refuse to do business with them, oh, hell no. And that's exactly what this bill provides. And I like that. I like that a lot. And listen, um, keep in mind, I, and I'll, I, I may very likely know more by the time the Hammer and Nigel show airs tomorrow. We're doing a late uh, Monday gun day. We usually do it at 3.35. We're doing it at 4.35 because of some other scheduling issues the guys had for the show. I'm happy to do that. So turn tune in at 4.35 on Hammer and Nigel for Monday gun day, and I may likely know specifics about a uh, scheduled committee hearing on Senate Bill 28, but we really will need your support on that and want to have you come out. Another pro two-way bill, and this is huge, and this this relates to something, there have been several bills passed on this, is a bill that would finally, hopefully, put an end to the frivolous litigation going on in northwestern Indiana, where the city of Gary has sued basically Basically, every member of the firearm industry, obviously not every, but most major manufacturers of handguns, for instance, are getting sued in Gary, saying, well, it's your fault that we've had all this gun violence in Gary. It's not, it's not liberal policies. It's not failing to enforce existing law. It's the gun industry's fault that we have gang members killing each other in Gary. And, and they're been a number of legal hurdles put up in the way of such lawsuits, including at the federal level and including right here in Indiana. Well, House Bill 1235 that we're hoping passes this year, authored by Representative Chris Jeter, it takes another stab at trying to end that litigation and prevent similar frivolous litigation here in Indiana. We'll talk more about that also when we come back. Right now, we're at the bottom of the hour. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. 
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. He's a Second Amendment attorney. He's an NRA-certified firearms instructor. He's the gun guy. Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Rolford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're talking about a bill that would hopefully put an end to this lawsuit in Gary. And, and what's that lawsuit all about? Well, it's blaming gun manufacturers for the fact that there's gun violence in Gary. And listen, there are a couple of statutes in place designed to prevent exactly this kind of a lawsuit. You have the federal Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. And then you have a parallel state statute. And what, they, they, what they both say, they're a little different, but what they both say essentially is that if a firearm manufacturer lawfully manufactures and sells a gun or a firearm retailer lawfully sells a gun, and that gun then is later used in a crime the manufacturer or retailer can't be sued for that. And you may listen to that and be looking at your radio funny or your computer, phone, depending on how you listen to the Gun Guy show, thinking, well, that's idiotic. Why would we need such a law? Who's going to file such a lawsuit? Well, city of Gary and several others, several private individuals, by the way. The some of the survivors were next to kin of the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, mass shooting. Sued Remington, saying, "Well, it's your fault for selling the AR-15 that was used to kill many of the people in Sandy Hook Elementary." And you're thinking, well, "How was it the manufacturer's fault?" Well, uh, they come up with a theory. It's how you market it. You induced people to buy this particular kind of firearm, knowing the high likelihood it's going to be used in a mass shooting. And whenever I talk about this, you know, a lot of times I've had comments on social media or somebody will call in and they'll go, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, guy. I mean, if somebody takes a Ford pickup and goes and, and drives through a crowd of people and kills 20 people with a Ford pickup, nobody sues Ford. Well, that's right, but people sue the gun industry because, again, it's another way, I think, around the fact that a lot of anti-gun organizations like the Brady Campaign or the Bloomberg organizations like Moms Demand Action, they can't get things done in Congress or in state legislatures, so they want to get them done in the courtroom. Let's sue the gun industry into oblivion. Let's take a a, a a page out of the book of the attacks on the tobacco industry and look at the billions and billions of dollars. Now, big tobacco was too big 
to be forced out of business by the billions of dollars in liability imposed against the tobacco industry. And I don't know that there are any analogies in terms of the gun industry hiding the latent dangers and defects associated with their product. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about defective products or a gun doing anything other than what a gun's designed to do as opposed to the tobacco industry back in the day the allegation was and there were a lot of there was a lot of evidence behind this that really hid a lot a lot of what was known about the health effects of can, of smoking including the likelihood it causes cancer but to look at the to, excuse me the tobacco example a lot of folks said, hey, let's use that. Let's use litigation against the gun industry. That's why Congress passed the law, Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. It says, hey, if they manufacture and sell a gun legally, this is not this is not covered by the way. You've heard Biden and other liberal politicians come out and say, oh, the gun industry is the only industry that has complete immunity from liability. No, they don't have complete immunity. If if a manufacturer of a gun sells a defective gun, and there have been recalls on some guns because, yes, they had a defect. And, in fact, Taurus, the most recent example of this, has a gun that if you drop it in a certain way, the gun will go off because of a defect in the gun. This act has no bearing on that. And it says right in the act, doesn't foreclose lawsuits over defective products or breach of warranties or anything along those lines. It's if they lawfully sell a product that functions as it's intended to function, and it's then used in a criminal act, it cuts off liability in that context. And that's exactly what it should do. But because of the timing of the passage of some of these laws, because the Gary lawsuit was passed, I want to say, 23 years ago? It's got to be got to be a record for the longest pending litigation in the history of the state of Indiana. I, I'd be shocked if there was another lawsuit out there that's been pending over two decades. And Indiana tried to amend their immunity statute to get that thing dismissed. Because listen, I, I've talked to, to people at the NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, who really are the organization for the gun industry, gun manufacturers and sellers included. And they've said, listen, we have members that would like to come do business in Indiana, but as long as the Gary lawsuit's pending, and that's an example of how you can get sued, and and the law doesn't protect you in Indiana, no, sorry, we're not willing to bring our industry, bring those jobs, bring those tax dollars to the state of Indiana. It hurts Indiana financially. So what does this bill do? What House Bill 1235 is the number. It says that that any lawsuit against a firearm manufacturer, seller, or dealer can only be maintained by the state of Indiana and not by what we call a political subdivision. That's the same term used in the preemption statute. It means local government. You have the state of Indiana and then you have the state of Indiana subdivided into a whole bunch of other political units like counties and cities and towns and townships and housing authorities and airport authorities and all these other local units of government. 
Those are what we call political subdivisions. It just means local government. And this bill says that only such an action against firearm or ammunition manufacturer or trade association or seller or dealer can only be maintained by the state. So if the state of Indiana decides to file such a lawsuit, and they would still have to get around the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act and, ha- and get around the Indiana corollary of the same act. And it says only, only the state can file or maintain, maintains a key word here, because that would mean the city of Gary could not maintain its action, the idea being that lawsuit would finally be dismissed. Again, this has important political ramifications, but it has, more importantly, I think, important financial ramifications for the state of Indiana. The state of Indiana should get this passed because it hurts the state of Indiana to have the Gary lawsuit pending. It hurts us in terms of industry, an industry we could be bringing. And there have been a lot of firearm manufacturers pack up and move the states where they're, where they're in. There, there are multiple companies have left New York, for instance. It's too hostile an environment. Well, where they ended up? Not in Indiana. And that's partially because of this Gary lawsuit. And that's not okay. We need to fix that. So I'll have more to say about this. When this gets a hearing, I'll be announcing that as well. And we'd love to have your support. I'll give you the phone numbers and the contact um, for exactly uh, who would best be the appropriate contacts to uh, make sure our elected representatives, and by the way, your representative and your senator, this is pending now in the House, so your representative would be the place to start. Call your representative in the Indiana General Assembly and say, hey, House Bill 1235 is something you ought to get behind and encourage a hearing and encourage its passage. And you might be wondering, by the way, how Remington got sued in the Sandy Hook context. Well, the the, the immunity is based on lawfully selling or marketing a firearm. Because obviously you break some law, you shouldn't have immunity for that if liability results. And Connecticut, where that lawsuit was brought, because that's where Sandy Hook, Connecticut is, has a deceptive advertising statute. So in the lawsuit against Remington, the plaintiff said, well, in how you marketed your AR-15, you violated the deceptive marketing statute. At least that was the allegation. And since you violated deceptive advertising laws, your sale wasn't legal, therefore you don't have the immunity. And this went all the way up to the Connecticut Supreme Court, who agreed there was no immunity. So Remington's insurers, Remington had since essentially been sold off for parts, and you're just dealing with an insurance company who's worried about what it could potentially get hit for. And the insurance company looked at that and said, okay, now we're looking at a jury trial where we're defending a firearm manufacturer against survivors of a mass shooting in Sandy Hook Elementary. And could they really prove that the the reason that shooting occurred and the reason those injuries were sustained by the victims in Sandy Hook was because of the way Remington marketed its firearm? I mean, who's, who's to say that anybody... That is 
that shooter, and I don't name shooters on the Gun Guy show, but that shooter or his mother who actually purchased the rifle because he killed his mother and took the rifle. Anybody ever saw an advertisement from Remington? Or that's what induced the purchase of the gun. Or that's what induced the shooting. You have to prove cause. That's a requirement in any lawsuit. That the the conduct you're complaining of caused your injury. How in the hell would they ever prove that? The insurer ended up deciding it didn't much matter because the jury was going to find a way to give millions, if not hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, who knows, to these victims. The insurance company ended up doling out a whole bunch of money. The, na- the number doesn't immediately come to mind. I want to say $23 million, but don't hold me to that because that's just a number off the top of my head. But it was a bunch of money, notwithstanding the fact there should have been immunity. Well, House Bill 1235 would fix that in Indiana to say, if there's such a lawsuit to be had involving the illegal sale of a firearm, for instance, local governments can't bring it. Only the state of Indiana could. And that would be a whole hell of a lot different decision-making process than leaving it up to the city officials in Gary, Indiana. So it's an important bill. We'll talk more about it as it works its way through the General Assembly. Right now, we're a little past the three-quarter hour. We're taking a break. We'll be back for the last segment of The Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 